The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Coming up on Life Today, inspirational author and speaker Christine Kane challenges us to move past our past and live in freedom. Freedom is not based on a personality profile. It doesn't matter if you're a high D, high I, high S, high C. It's not a strength finder and it's not a love language. It's what Jesus Christ came to give every single one of us. That's what it is. That's what freedom is. Experience true freedom by moving past your past. Next. such a joy to be with you and with you. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I welcome you to Life Today. And uh, we're going to hear from Christine Kane, Getting Past Your Past. You know, Betty, we help people who are in various situations of incredible pain. I don't have pleasant memories of my childhood and not having a father, not having a home. But I had to get past the past. And let me tell you something, there's no past too big for God to enable you with His grace and His love to overcome. Let's get past our past. Here's Christine Kane. Would you welcome her? I think you're here. That thing that was your greatest weakness that kept you bound at the gate now can become your greatest strength. And I'm telling you, not only Am I able to turn around and open that prison door for everyone else? I feel a whole lot more like Joseph now. Joseph in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 said to his brothers, you meant this for evil against me. You meant this to harm me. You meant this to take me out. But you know what? God meant it for this very purpose, that he would save many people alive. And I think, I look at that in my own life. Do I wish that any of that happened to me? Of course not. I never look back and go, you know, I'm glad. But I'll tell you what I am glad about. I am glad that through that experience, God has made me into the woman of God that he has made me to be. And without that, I don't know that I would be who God has called me to be. And the truth is he's redeemed every bit of it. And now God is taking this girl left abandoned in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted, and he's using her in 10 different countries of the world to help rescue the victims of human trafficking and to help restore young women that have been sold into sex trafficking and violated and abused. And only God could turn all that around. And you know what I think? I think that the devil thinks he wishes that he left me alone. I think that he goes, he, I really do. I think that, you know, when he has his little staff meeting in the morning, I think he thinks, why did we touch her? Oh no, she's awake again. Oh no, and my feet touch that floor and it just pounds and it says, oh, I'm awake, hell, don't you worry, I am awake. And I'm going to commit the rest of my life to making sure you know I'm awake and everything you took from me, God has given back and he's restored. And let me tell you, every time a trafficker goes to jail, every time a girl is restored, I bet you the devil regrets the day he ever touched me. You can take every bit of your pain and God can turn it around and use it for his gain if you allow him to do that. You are able to do that. You really are. And to me, it is the greatest power of the gospel. The thing that he wanted to keep me limited and contained with is the very thing that God used to say, come on, 
Come on, Christine, you could do it. But, you know, it's not only changing your posture to change your perspective. Once you walk through this side of the gate to this side of the gate, you've got to embrace the responsibility of wholeness. And that's what a lot of us find very, very challenging. Because when you get used to being a victim, when you are used to being the recipient of benefits, when you are used to people just making um, accommodations for you, because that's what they do, like we just think, well, it's not my fault. And what happens often, often we excuse behaviours and we excuse attitudes that the Bible never excuses. And so we go, well, you know, I, I, I know they just like got that real anger problem, but, but they were abused. I, I know that they really can't submit there, but you've just got to understand. And Jesus is like, why, why did I go to the cross? Why did I die and rise again? It's so that you can have a life beyond this prison and this gate no longer needs to be a prison. It can become a doorway into the future that you have. But when you walk here whole, there comes a whole lot of different responsibility. The responsibility of freedom is a price that many of us don't want to pay. And see, a lot of us, what we do is we prefer to live bound in the wilderness of deliverance than free in the promised land of freedom. Let me explain this to you. The children of Israel for 430 years were in bondage. They were in slavery. They were in captivity as slaves in Egypt. So they were under physical taskmasters. They were beaten. They were kept limited and contained. Well, God came and he did some miracles and he delivered them from that physical bondage. They were no longer slaves. He delivered them from that and they stepped into the wilderness. He did great signs and wonders. He parted a Red Sea. He drowned an entire Egyptian army. I mean, it it is awesome. But then they weren't yet in freedom. They were delivered into into the wilderness. Now, what happened was he brought them into the wilderness so that he could take Egypt out of them because although they were out of Egypt, Egypt was not yet out of them. And so God had to get it out of them and it was meant to take 11 days. But instead of 11 days, they did laps around Mount Sinai for 40 years and they just kept doing laps around the same old mountains of fear, shame, insecurity, murmuring, grumbling, complaining, doubt and unbelief. They just kept going around that same old mountain to the point where it was almost like I'd rather go back. I'd rather go back and get beaten physically again and be in physical containment and slavery rather than be in this kind of wilderness. And that's where we get to. Often we are delivered from an addiction. We are delivered from physical abuse or verbal abuse or sexual abuse or emotional abuse. We're delivered out of that. Perhaps we're delivered from a a situation at work that isn't great. Perhaps we've been delivered from a a, a marriage that was just really not really, really wrong. Perhaps we've been delivered in many different areas, but we just still sit at the gate and we allow that to define us. We still look through the lens of the thing that happened to us. It becomes a prison door. We're delivered, meaning we're not any more physically addicted to that substance. We're not any more in that physically abusive relationship. We're not any more in that bad job or whatever. We're just not in that physical situation anymore where we are, you know, under the the, the control of either that substance or that person or that situation. But we're not yet free. We call it freedom because we go, I've been freed from drugs. Well, you are no longer addicted to the substance of drugs, but that doesn't mean that you're free yet because true freedom never comes until you walk through the gate of the wilderness, the deliverance, into the freedom of the promised land. And freedom requires a whole different level of responsibility than living in here behind the gate, delivered in the wilderness, 
just getting manna from heaven every day, just barely getting by, just sort of still existing. But you're still existing in your past. You're not at all in your future. You're not in any physical danger anymore, but you're delivered, not yet free. And yet Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says it's for freedom that Christ set us free. And many Christians settle for the gate, still defined by our past, still defined by what happened to us. It's not happening to us anymore but we're still stuck at that gate and we're still stuck in a wilderness and we're pretty much just doing laps around Mount Sinai while we're sitting behind this gate. And there's all this promise and all this purpose and all this future ahead of us, but we're just sitting at the gate, victims of what happened, simply because we won't change our posture to change our perspective and simply because we won't walk through the promise of the gate of Jesus Christ into the freedom of the future because when you're free and you're standing up, and you're on this side of the gate, everything changes. You're no longer looking at things from down there bound or in the bondage of a wilderness. You're now looking at it free, which means, you know what? My legs have got to carry me. I've got to carry my share of the weight. There's a responsibility that comes with freedom and most people don't want that. We would rather still be victims of our past stuck at the gate rather than standing up and taking the responsibility of freedom. But if you choose to walk in freedom on the other side of the gate and lay a hold of the promises of God, that's where your purpose is. That's where your destiny is. It's here in the promised land. It's not in the wilderness behind the gate. Jesus Christ came to set us free. He says, I am the gate. What was a barrier to your past has now become a doorway to your future. And Jesus Christ is that doorway. So, Christine, all those things that tried to stop you, they don't need to hinder you or stop you anymore, but you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to learn my word. You're going to have to learn to renew your mind and meditate on the truth of my word. You are going to have to be, you are going to have to ensure that you do your part to walk strong, that you do your exercises, that you continue to do your daily discipline so that you can stay strong in the promised land. And yes, you'll help to rescue and restore the victims of trafficking. And yes, you'll speak life and hope to people. But Christine, you've got to learn to stand on your own two feet to do that, leaning on me and my word and the truth of my word. And you know what? That just takes responsibility. And the one thing this generation does not like is responsibility because there's a responsibility that comes with freedom. And so we would rather be broken and have someone put a leg brace on us and sit behind a gate and murmur, grumble and complain about why we're not walking in freedom rather than saying, I'm going to stand up and embrace it. I'm living proof. If you're watching this on the other side of the screen, I am living proof that this stuff works, but you've got to appropriate it. We have a responsibility to stand up as well. And maybe you've been sitting on that couch or maybe you've just been kind of for years sitting in church but never appropriating the truth of what the pastor's been speaking about. And then you go, and it doesn't work. It's okay for Christine Kane because that's her personality. Freedom is not based on a personality profile. It doesn't matter if you're a high D, high I, high S, high C. It's not a strength finder and it's not a love language. It's what Jesus Christ came to give every single one of us. That's what it is. That's what freedom is. And we can all walk in that if we make a decision that I'm going to stand up and change my posture to change my perspective, the door, the gate that had become a barrier to my destiny, I'm going to walk through that, through the blood of Jesus Christ, it's going to become my future. And you know what? If you do that, it doesn't just impact you, but it impacts the generations that are going to come after you. You know, I was um, speaking at a conference in, in England very close to a city called Stratford-upon-Avon, which is where William Shakespeare wrote all, uh, you know, he lived and he wrote all of his poetry and his plays. And uh, believe it or not, this little Aussie girl is a 
um, an English major and majoring in Shakespeare, Shakespeare, all things Shakespeare. And um, I, because I was going to be at this conference so close to Willie's house, I thought I'm going to go and visit Willie. <laughs> and um, I kind of, I, you know, I, I went to Willie's house, but Willie wasn't home. And so that was really disappointing. But across the road from Willie's house was a, you know, one of those stores where they have computers and you put in a name and it's a genealogy and it gives you all the history of the family name. Well, I'm, you know, my maiden name was Karyophilus, which is very Greek, but my married name is Cain and my husband comes from British stock. And so this was right about the time that Prince Charles was going to marry Camille and I was thinking, I wonder if my husband is related to royalty and um, I might get a wedding invitation. Like, I was really pumped. I was thinking <laughs> I might go to the royal wedding and, you know, who knows what could have happened. And or maybe that my husband is, has, is actually, like, got lords or barons or knights in his background and, you know, he comes from great British stock and that he might just have all of these properties somewhere and Jane Austen might have written in one of their... You know, like, <laughs> my mind was just going. I, I can go there every now and again. And so... I thought maybe Nick has got this secret little um, inheritance somewhere and hasn't told me about it and I'm going to go find out. So I go in and so I'm waiting for lords and barons and knights and, you know, I'm like so into this. And so I put in the name Cain. I'm not joking. It spits out this piece of paper with this list and this is what it says. Pirates, criminals, convicts, <laughs> murderers, rapists. It was like his whole ancestors... Uh, the, you know, the relatives, they're the ones that came over on the convict ships to settle Australia. They're all like, that's his stock. I started laughing because I'm like, oh, good bloodline there, man. I married well. You know, I'm just like, awesome. Awesome. I guess I'm not going to Charlie's wedding. And so, which is why I wasn't at George's christening. Anyway, so, so the fact is I'm watching all of this, like laughing my head off. And, um, and then I started to think of mine. I started to think of my, my little family tree as well because there's Nick's and I thought, well, I don't know any of the names in mine, but I do know that there was adultery and fornication and abuse and abandonment and, and hurt and pain and suffering. And I started like, I go, whoa, that's awesome. That's awesome because we, that, that's all on this side of the gate. Never going to change it. That is what it is. Everything on our family tree on Nick's side back there, I cannot change the past. And over here, all of mine. I cannot change the past. Abuse, adoption, marginalisation, hurt, abandonment, rejection, pain. I can't change it. But you see, I was thinking about this. I thought, imagine when my kids go in and do their little genealogy chart one day. And they, they like us, are never going to be able to change that. But see, all of a sudden, they're going to see something weird when they look at that family tree. Because somewhere along the line... They're going to see the 30th of March, 1996. Nicholas Joseph Kane marries Holy Ghost terrorist Christine Kane. <laughs> They're going to see that. And although they can't change any of those things, you know, criminals and, and murderers and, and convicts and thieves and abuse and abandonment and fornication and adultery and addiction, none of that's going to change. But from the 30th of March, 1996, we walked through a gate when we decided to get married. We walked through a gate and said, we can't change any of that. We can't change the past, but, but we can change the future. And so what we decided was we drew a bloodline in the sand and we said, you know what? 
With us, adultery stops. With us, fornication yeah. stops. With us, addiction stops. With us, abuse stops. With us, it all stops. And so this thing that was once going to limit us and contain us became the doorway to say, oh, no, I'm shutting that gate on that past. Mm -hmm. And we're moving beyond it, and it doesn't just affect me. Right now, I've got an 11-year-old daughter and I've got a 7-year-old daughter. You don't think it's changed everything for them? The very things that kept me bound behind this gate for most of my early years of my life, they will never know because we chose to walk out and turn what was a deadlock in our life. Walk through the gate of Jesus Christ and it became a doorway into the destiny and the future that he has for us. He says, I am the gate. You can choose to sit at that gate for the rest of your life or like the four lepers, you can ask a question. There's a lot of power in a question. I wonder on the other side of the screen whether you would ask that question today. Why am I sitting here until I die? Why? If I stay here, a victim of my past, a victim of my regrets, a victim of my shame, my guilt, my condemnation, my insecurity, my fear, my doubt. If I stay here, I'm going to die. This will be my end point. But if I stand up, and I change my posture, then I change my entire perspective and then I have the strength to walk through a gate that was once a barrier. It can become a doorway into the future and it doesn't just affect me. It affects the generations that are coming after me. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Don't settle for deliverance behind the gate when you can have freedom on the other side of the gate. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh boy, there is uh, freedom past the gate. It's for freedom Christ made us free. And I've tried to share with all of you how great that freedom is. It's, it's not only personal, and by the way, when we lose it personally, and then we lose it collectively, we tend to lose it nationally. But the freedom that free people offer because of Christ, that freedom blesses everyone. It's like sunshine and rain. It produces fruitfulness. And uh, I think we're on the verge of losing a lot of it. Father, I pray you restore freedom, beginning with each one of us. And Lord, don't let anyone listening to you be held captive by the past. May they break out today and move forward into a great and glorious tomorrow and forever. In Jesus' name. I really do thank you for watching life today. Let me tell you something right now. You know, sometimes you see someone in a very difficult situation. I mean, it's, it's, it, it breaks your heart. And uh, if you've watched St. Jude's appeals on television or the Shriners for the Children's Hospital, you want every one of those little children. Some of them say, I, I can walk. They don't walk very well, but they're excited because love touched them. When you can touch somebody and, and every little child you ever see that's, that's hurt or fighting a disease, you want to fix it. So often it's so extremely difficult, it seems impossible. But what if I told you that I'm going to show you a child, children, that love changes totally. And it's proven. It's undeniable. It always works. This is where love never fails. I want you to watch this because you're the one that opens the door 
to changing everything. There's no grip. Child was not breathing at all. We came in here and began to die here. And they just look like they're in a daze. And they're coming here trying to get food. God bless you, little fella. That's great. But the little children like this one here are so much fewer. Look at this, this is Jeremiah. James, Betty, I can see how your hearts were broken through your many years of traveling throughout Africa. I will say this, it doesn't take long before you see a lot of beautiful work that's been done here through our missionary partners. And I want to say we're not finished yet. These children are dying. They're telling us every six seconds a child dies because of malnutrition. In Angola alone, the grim fact is malnutrition causes nearly half of children's deaths under the age of five. The sight of children struggling to live because they simply lack enough food to eat is the reason life outreach continues to go into the areas of Africa that are crying out for help. And in place of death, a bowl of food a day can literally become a miracle of life. We must do more. Please, whatever it takes, we have to reach out to little children like Joseph here. I can see in his eyes almost, you probably can too, where he's just hoping somebody will believe in him enough to reach out and rescue his life. And the solution is really a simple bowl of food through mission feeding so these children can live. You know, that goes back 25 years ago, Betty, when we first went and saw the sorrow. And then the, I saw us there, and I'm kneeling by a little baby, and uh, they're squeegee in air. They didn't have uh, any kind of oxygen. They're trying to get air into his little body, and the baby dies right there. And Betty, you tried to comfort the, the mother. And I want you to hear this. Because what love did right there, where that baby was dying in Luanda, what love did, one of the single most famous pictures in history was taken there later. And it was Lady Di, Princess Diana, holding a little baby and looked out at the world and said, we need to feed the hungry around the world. And that baby that she's holding was healthy because that baby was saved in that hospital where they were dying fast. I'm talking, we went and saw 1,200 little children buried in just one area just outside town. The miracle of love changed what Lady Di said. This is what love does, basically. We need to feed them. That little baby was fed fed by people like you who looked in Betty and saw those scenes that you and I witnessed with a broken heart. And you remember we came back, we did not know if our viewers would help. We, we knew that most church folks didn't attend prayer meetings or missions conferences. And so we said, this is missions. And we prayed and the love of God spilled through you. And when we tell you that according to those, those African governments that over 10 million children's lives were saved, and when the missionaries say even more than that, trust in Christ as a result of the outreaches, that's what love does. And we're asking you right now to put arms of love around 400,000 little children that are desperate. Many of them have not reached that state where those little children were so near death, but we're even taking care of the needs there. But we can get them in the feeding lines like you were seeing. As a matter of fact, our grandson that had just graduated from Baylor, there he was feeding those children. He said, it changed my life forever. You are changing for eternity the lives of the people that you share an opportunity to live with. Would you right now go to lifetoday.org 
or dial that number that people call for prayer because their hearts are broken, would you dial the number or go online and say, I'm going to be an answer to prayer? And did you know that some of our friends said, because their hearts are so moved, we will match your gift for 50,000 children. Every gift you make, they'll match it. 30, 50, 100. We can feed three, five, or 10 children for the next months. But now 30, 50, or 100 jumps to double the three, to six, the five, to 10. And you're gonna be touching the lives of twice as many children. Would you right now, please, Lord, touch hearts, move hands to respond as you would in Jesus' name. Lifetoday.org or dial the number. If you want to make a check, make it to life. But call us and tell us what you're sending, knowing it's going to be matched by love. Thank you for doing it. In remote and impoverished areas of Angola, Africa, families are suffering. Crops have failed. There is no food. And those hit the hardest are the children. In response to this crisis, Life Outreach has received a 50,000 children challenge that, with your help, will feed and minister to 100,000 children over the next few months. With previous food reserves gone and Angola facing a severe food shortage due to crop failure, this challenge could not have come at a better time. To help replenish supplies for the feeding programs touching the lives of children across Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. The 50,000 Children Challenge means more children can be saved and your gift will have a double impact, helping to feed twice as many children. Your gift of $30 to help feed three children will now be double to help feed six children. Gifts of $50 to help feed five children will be double to help save 10. And gifts of $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed and care for 20 children. And with a gift of $1,000 or more, you can double your impact to help feed 200 children and also request the Majesty Bronze Sculpture, featuring a beautiful buck in regal stance, reflecting God's presence and majesty in all the earth. Please call the number seen here, write life, or go online today to lifetoday.org and make your life-saving double impact gift today. Well, Betty and I say thank you, Betty. Aren't our friends wonderful? Yes, they are. We couldn't do what we do without their help. Well, we could mm -hmm. weep a lot. Mm -hmm. We could join the missionaries in wishing something could be done, but you're the answer to that wish. You're the answer to that prayer. You're the answer to the heart cry of mothers for their children. And I want to thank you for being an answer to someone's prayer. And I pray, God, you will answer our friends' prayers today. Yes. Those who reach out, those who may be unable to reach out, Lift them up in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for watching. Thank all of you for being with us. We praise the Lord for your presence.
This, now, this is the kind of slice that I would like with you all this. this like all the icing. All the icing. Now that, Next week, James and Betty celebrate their 53 years of marriage. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.